Independent Business Podcast is brought to you by HoneyBook, the all-in-one platform for anyone with clients. Book clients, manage projects, and get paid faster all with HoneyBook. You can use the code podcast to get 20% off your brand new account and let business flow your way. The best type of marketing hands down is word of mouth, and yet we don't spend a lot of time investing in that area of our business. Many of us rely on social media to get our name out there, and while that is important, nothing beats knowing that there are people out there who know and love your business and are willing to share your work with others. So how can we invest in our referral marketing strategy? Well, today on the podcast, we have Sarah McCabe, who is a people and business development consultant, and she's sharing with us how she was able to stop leaning on social media for leads and focused only on referral marketing. Her strategies of how she's turning her clients into raving fans is pure gold. So if you want to learn how to do the same thing, then this episode is for you. Hey everyone, this is your host, Akua Kanadu, and you're listening to the Independent Business Podcast. More people than ever are working for themselves and building profitable businesses in the process. So on this show, I get to sit down with some of the most influential authors, entrepreneurs, and creators to break down the science of self-made success so that you can achieve it too. Hello, hello, Sarah. Welcome, welcome. How are we doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. (laughs) We are just so excited because I feel like this is, we hear this all the time as business owners that the best type of marketing is word of mouth marketing, right? It is the best way hearing people talk about your products and services. And also people are also burnt out from social media. So I think also looking at your business and your marketing strategy holistically, this would be a good conversation to do that. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited. It's one of my favorite topics. Yes. Well, great. Okay. So let's hop on in. What First of all, let's just start with your business journey, right? I really want to hear about your journey from kind of where you started to where you are now um, and what kind of led you to focusing more on word of mouth marketing. Which I told you, this is my favorite question. <laughs> I'm going to do I'm gonna do my best. We'll keep this very short and sweet. I don't want to give you a monologue. Um, but for the last 12 years, I've worked in people and business development. So Four years ago, before I started my own business, I was a business development manager for a retail company for North America. So essentially what that means, because what is is that even? What I did was I oversaw store openings for that business, as well as rolling out any operational initiatives, as well as people and development initiatives. So it's kind of funny because I think people, when they hear operations and people, they feel like two very different career paths. For me, they're sort of inextricably linked. They, they, you need both, you need people and you need systems. And so, um, for almost the entirety of my career, I've really focused on those two aspects within business and, uh, I got burnt out. So, you know, long story short, that that role required an insane amount of travel. Uh, you know, eight months at a time I was gone and I would be home for a few days. So I had what I would call a table flip moment where I decided I can't do this anymore. I uh, this this isn't working for me. And I also really wanted to work with a company that I felt like aligned with my values. So after leaving that company, I interviewed at a few other places and 
sort of felt like I was going to run into a lot of the same issues. And so I honestly felt like I was left with no choice but to start my own business. I had intentions of doing that later on in my career. I didn't think I would do it as soon as I did, but I really sort of felt like I was left with no choice. And so four years ago, I started my own business and here we are. Well, first of all, that's amazing because I can definitely relate to that because I absolutely, similarly, I um, had a big flip the table moment and kind of just said, screw it and started my business. I had no money in the bank. I literally just, I was living paycheck to paycheck. (laughs) And that's hard. That's hard. And, but I literally was like, what I'm experiencing currently, whatever, like I, whatever, whatever's on the other side has to be better than what I'm currently experiencing it. So, which I know not everybody starts their business that way, but I can, which I don't recommend, (laughs) but I can absolutely. I had someone ask me the other day, I had someone reach out. They're like, can I talk about uh, another consultant reach out? They're like, can we, can we talk about you starting your own business? And I said, I I wouldn't recommend doing what I did. I wouldn't. Uh, It was stressful in a lot of ways that it didn't need to be stressful, but I felt like I didn't really have an option. So I did what I did. So you did what you did. Yeah, there's no shame in that. Of course, everybody's journey looks different. But yes, to your point, would not recommend. And so one thing that I'm really (laughs) – I love that we can relate on that. So one thing that I'm really curious about is to know what exactly made you kind of lean into more with word of mouth marketing? Mm. Yeah, so this was way back in 2022. So every year – I mean, I can't – I love how you said that way – I love how you said way way back back in 2022. (laughs) Is it me just two years ago not feel like an entire (laughs) lifetime ago? (laughs) The business landscape that we've navigated in the last two years feels like a, I mean, every year feels like a gauntlet running your own business. But at the start of 2022, I was doing what I always do, which is I look at my data, I look at the numbers and I see what they're telling me. And at that point I had, so for the entirety of 2021, I'd really sort of gone all in on social media marketing primarily focusing on TikTok. And I posted every single day, multiple times a day. And I mean, if anyone's done that, they know the time investment that it takes to show up and to do that. And I, I'd been relatively successful and I'd, I'd been able to build an audience of about 17,000. But when I looked at what that was able to generate for my business, for my revenue, mm-hmm. it really wasn't that much. It generated about 10% of my total revenue for the business. But from a time investment perspective, Mm -hmm. it was astronomical. Uh, But when I looked at other areas and where the majority of my revenue was coming from, it really was already at that point coming from word of mouth. And, And it was kind of funny because it wasn't even something that I had intentionally been focusing on. I was fortunate enough that I had clients that wanted to sort of share their experience, you know, with others in their community or other businesses that were similar to theirs. But That was where I had that that turning point where I sort of asked myself that question, what if I went all in on referrals and I took a massive step back from social media? And and so that's what I really experimented with for 2022. And when I looked at the data again, uh, you know, I was able to generate another $50,000, saving myself a ton of time. Um, And so I felt like, okay, we're just going to continue to double down on that. And, and at this point, referrals generate 100% of my revenue. I don't get any business through social media. Not to say that it doesn't play a part, but mm-hmm. all of my business is generated through referrals. The referrals. Oh, that is fantastic and amazing because I think, again, it's looking at your whole marketing plan holistically. I think so many of us 
be, have tunnel vision in regards to social yeah. media and feel like mm-hmm. that is the end all be all only way for us to make money in our business where we can neglect mm-hmm. other areas that truly are bringing in the revenue that are bringing in the money. And so one thing that I'm really curious about, I had a, a couple questions, but the first one that I want to ask you is outside of like revenue, what other analytics were you looking at to really make this just to come to this conclusion? I mean, I've obviously I was looking at my social media analytics. I was looking mm-hmm. at what people were saying when they were reaching out to me, who was referring mm-hmm. them. So the types of clients that I was getting referrals from and also the quality of the referrals that I was getting, because I think that's the other piece that we sort of not forget to talk about, but not all referrals are created equal. And you want to make sure that if you're going to build your business primarily on referrals, you want to make sure that you're getting really high quality referrals. So I looked at all of those. I looked at what was generating revenue, who was sending referrals, the quality of those referrals, the size of those projects that were coming my way because of those referrals. So I looked at the whole landscape really to to be able to assess, okay, what types of clients do I really want to connect with that are going to send the best quality referrals my way? Mm. That is so, so key. That is so important. <laughs> it's such a good question to ask. I love that. And so let's backtrack it a little bit. So what does your system look like? Like, How are you building this relationships, right? Because I think that's so important for referral marketing, right? Like really building those relationships and nurturing, providing the best client experience possible so that they're talking about you outside of the room. I mean, data has literally shown that 88% of people will talk to the, mention a brand at least once a week <laughs> to friends or fa- and family when they have such a wonderful experience with that brand. So how are you nurturing these relationships? What, what systems do you have in place to do that? It's sort of this holistic. So I guess I could even start with the way that I wrap every project is without fail, I'm going to ask uh, for you to take a survey. And in that survey, I'm really asking a lot of questions to try to understand what your decision-making process was, where you were at before you decided to reach out to me, what it was that you enjoyed so much about us working together. And I mean, I ask those questions in a lot of different ways. Subtle changes in those questions really yield so much information to help me understand where does this client land on my doorstep? Where are they at when they're coming to me? That I think is such crucial information to have. You know, I also have a background in learning and development. So I sort of liken it to that, where you really want to understand how is someone coming to me when they knock on my door? What state are they in? What are the feelings that they're having? What information do they need to make a decision? What information do they need to feel supported? What do these people love? What are they excited about? What do they want more of, you know, in our time together? So that really starts to shape the entire client process. But I gather that at the end of every single client project through that survey, Once I get that survey back from clients, I'll review it. And then more often than not, if it's a great testimonial, which I I feel like knock on wood, I'm very lucky that, you know, 100% of my (laughs) surveys end up with really great testimonials. I'll reach out to them after and I'll ask, are there three people or is there anyone that you know that you think could benefit from working with me? And they will either directly link me with someone there or they'll often say, I'll keep you in mind. And a few months down the line, typically 
an email will pop up into my inbox and it'll be a referral from from that past client. So from the start of my client process, not to you know ramble on for too long. So please let me know if this is too long of an answer, but I will, any inquiry that I get, I send them a survey that they have to fill out before I hop on the phone. Um, and the reason being is I want to make the most of our initial conversation together. So I have to have some context, some understanding of where that client is at, where their business is at, what problems they're experiencing in order for me to be able to come to the table with a ballpark of what would need to happen project wise, but also budget wise. And so I ask very simple questions, you know, even three questions can help everyone prepare for a sales call, a, you know, a discovery call of sorts. Basically I'm asking, what are you experiencing in your business? What have you done to try to fix that? And what's the, what outcome do you want from our time together? Those three questions tell me right away, what does this person value? What are they experiencing emotions wise? you know, tangibly in the business. And that helps me start to flesh out an idea. I really use that discovery call to dig deeper, to try to understand what are the main issues. Because people tend to come to you, and I don't, maybe you also experience this. People come to me a lot with what I would call our secondary issues. They're not actually the main problem. They're sort of symptoms of what the main issue is. And so I use that call to start outlining that what you're experiencing are symptoms. This is actually what the main issue is. And that alone tends to build the type of trust that you need to get people excited and willing to invest, you know, in a six month long project or in a four month long project. So I get that survey. We hop on a call if I feel like I'm the right person to help them. From there, I will send a proposal out and I detail everything. So every single phase of the project, what the deliverables are, the work that we're going to be doing together, the investment, the breakdown. I, of course, include case studies that are similar to the work that we would be doing, other testimonials that I feel like support um, that process. As a side note, invest in case studies, people. <laughs> case studies are it. They are it. Uh, if you don't want to sell your work, a case study will sell your work. It does such mm. a fantastic job of really spelling out, this is what I do, this is what I'm capable of, and these are the results that it generates. And I have found since I've been, you know, really started investing in case studies, I, you know, my conversion rate has increased, you know, when I'm sending out proposal, I see an uptick in my conversion rate. It does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. You're not having to sell so much. It does the job for you. And from there, you know, we kick off the project. I could go into more detail about what that looks like, but as a whole, that's sort of how I gather the information to build a system that's suited to the type of clients that I want to work with and, and what the start of that process looks like. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that you shared that I think are so key. Number one with the survey is huge, right? I think especially asking um, and sending a survey at the end of uh, your experience with a client is such a great way to have that necessary feedback so you can go and put tweaks in your systems, just get a better understanding of how to show up as a business owner. But I loved what was key was that how you were saying like, hey, are there three people that you think could benefit from my service? And so you have already provided such an amazing client experience that these people are like, oh my gosh, yes, I can already think of three people. Let me connect you with them. And so already you don't have to do any of that heavy lifting either they're doing the work for you which is they are and they're excited to and i think they're that's excited why, to do it 
you've got to do it. And this is something that I feel like I sort of often say again and again and again, stop waiting. The minute that I wrap with a client, I am immediately sending out that survey. And that's because they're sort of in this shiny moment where we've solved a lot of the problems. They're so excited. They feel like a weight has been lifted off. They've had a great time with you. And that's the moment to say, you're excited. Who else can we get excited about that? And they, like you just said, right, they're very excited and willing to share those names with you. Absolutely. And I love that too. Also, don't wait on it. Sometimes I've seen some entrepreneurs where they'll do, oh yeah, like maybe in like 48 hours or even a week, they'll send a survey. And it's like, no, it sounds like it's really critical to send it ASAP because again, you're kind of on this high where you're so excited and you feel good about everything that's happening. You've seen the progress that you've wanted to make working with this individual, like this individual working with you. And so it's like, boom, just hurry up and send it quickly as possible. And so I think that's that's awesome, awesome feedback. And so also too, even with your discovery call though, I love that the three simple sales questions that you're asking, but it's very clear that you, based on that information of uh, you're able to really tailor the whole experience based just off of that one call. And I think we sometimes slip up um, or don't as realize the weight of sales calls and how they can eat just so incremental in your business. I really taking those sales calls and really asking the right questions so that you can tailor your whole ex client experience from the project from beginning to end, I think is so valuable. And then the case studies, which I think is so crucial, which I, that's leads to my next question. Number one, the fact that you're putting case studies into the proposal, I also think is brilliant because it really solidifies of like that the person is making the right decision because we do mm -hmm. sometimes forget like what we're asked, they're asked, we're asking them to invest in us. That's a big ask, right? So it's mm -hmm. like really making sure of like at times I, where people might be like, mm, am I making the right decision? You already have those case studies in there to remind them that they're making the right decision. So like, mm -hmm. please sign at the dotted line <laughs> immediately. <laughs> immediately. This makes, <laughs> this makes business sense to do this, right? I think people forget, you know, regardless of however much money I'm asking for someone, and it's all sort of relative, right? You know, you have mm -hmm. contracts that are $30,000 contracts or $40,000 contracts, and then you have contracts that are $3,000 contracts. It's all relative. For some people, the $3,000 is a massive ask, and I want to respect that. And I still want to make people feel comfortable in knowing that any amount of money that you invest with me is a smart savvy business decision. It's strategic for you to do this, right? It's going to pay in dividends, right? And, yes. and I think a fantastic way to do that is case studies, primarily because it sort of lends itself to the fact that this is another way of, of thinking about it in terms of word of mouth, right? It's not me saying that it was a fantastic experience. It's the data saying that this is a worthwhile investment. And it's also the fact that Clients enjoy the experience so much. It was so helpful to their business that they've chosen to invest their time in sitting down, right? So they have to sit down for an hour long interview with, I have someone who writes the case studies for me. Um, we sort of collaborate on the questions that we're going to ask the clients together, but these clients volunteer an hour of their time to sit down and be interviewed about, you know, very minute details of the process and what it felt like, uh, you know, for them, you know, on the other end as a client to have me take them through this whole process, what it did for their business, what it did for them, what it did for their team. And that is so powerful because it's not me saying that I'm great and I can help you. It's companies saying that I'm great and uh, yeah, Sarah can help you and you'd be foolish not to hire her. That is far more powerful than, than me saying that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. So in terms of case studies of how you're conducting it, what essentially just makes a great case study? I think a lot of us you know, as business owners, we hear about that, right? Case studies always yeah. show your social proof, like show the proof. But I do think like case studies, you have to be very strategic in how you're putting them together. And so mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? What makes a good case study? A couple of different things. I think first and foremost, it's good to have a range of case studies depending on what your focuses are. So I'll use my, my business as an example. Um, because I do operational development and I also do people development, it's helpful for me to have two different distinct examples of what a project would look like. So for example, if I'm consulting for a franchise and we're looking at all of their training and development programs, right? I'm going to have a case study that outlines that entire process. How did I approach that? What did the development look like? And what were the results of that, right? So really spelling out to someone what it looks like for you to work with me in terms of learning and development programs, onboarding programs, things of that nature. The other side of that is operations. So when I'm saying I'm going to go into your agency and I'm going to clean up all of your operations, I really need to be able to spell it out. And I think it's so important for work like mine or a business like mine, where everything you do is completely custom. Um, that can feel fairly ambiguous to a lot of people. Even the word consultant is like, what is that? What do you really do? I sort of joke all the time that people are like, people in my life that are close to me are like, Sarah's a consultant. She works in business. Uh, what does that really mean? And so I have to know that people who are landing on my doorstep probably have a similar thought process. They, they don't really know what it means for me to come in and, and make your operations more efficient or streamline your operations. So I really have to walk them through that entire process so they are more reassured in that, okay, first we start with an internal analysis. From there, then we start to develop sales. Then we go to project management. Then we go to HR. So they get to see, okay, in its entirety, this is what it looks like for Sarah to work with us in this way. So I think that is really helpful, right? To have case studies that reflect sort of your areas of focus. But the second piece I think is to have case studies that the clients are the types of clients that want to sort of sing your praises. And what I mean by that, and I'll, and I'll give you an example. I, um, at, at one point in my business, I knew that I sort of wanted to take that next step up and I really wanted to get closer to working with the types of companies that I was working for when I was working in corporate. I wanted to work with bigger teams. I wanted to solve bigger problems. And at that point, I really wasn't on any of those companies' radar. Um, I was working with a lot of smaller teams, solopreneurs at that point. And so I made a very conscious effort to start building a relationship with um a woman that I had known who she had grown her marketing agency exponentially in the last couple of years. And I sort of felt if I could work with her agency, she is the type of person to get on social media and to very excitedly share what that process has been like as she did throughout the entirety of us working together, even before I was asking for a testimonial. You know, after a meeting we would have, she would get on the phone and talk about how helpful even just that meeting was. Um, and so I sort of banked on that. And that alone has helped me because she was very vocal about working with me. And that's connected me with a lot of other people that I wanted to be 
connected to, or at least sort of be in their frame of reference in that world of, oh, Sarah's the consultant to go to um, once my business reaches this stage. So I think finding clients that are in the communities that you want referrals from, clients that are happy to be very vocal about what that process was like and are generous with their words. So I think those are the two things that you would want to focus on um, when you're starting to choose who to use for a case study and, and what type of content to cover in your case studies. I love that. I think it was very, very strategic. A lot of really great tangible tips that we can take with that. I think it's so important. Number one, seeing somebody who is very, very vocal in a community. So again, what kind of communities are you willing to invest in, right? Like what net, like how are you willing to network and just connect with people? I think that's such a, a key part in referral marketing is the type of communities that you want to investment, invest in and really find communities that truly align with your values. And it seems like you are a very, um, as a business owner, your values are something that are very important to you and you keep at the forefront in your business, which I think has also contributed to your success, which is amazing. And again, I think it just goes to show again of really take the time to figure out what communities you want to invest in, really take the time in, so we can get a better understanding of like your target audience of the people who that you know would sing your praises and also mm-hmm. to creating a case study that can just really get people excited to want to work with you where again, it's doing the heavy lifting for you. So I have, lo- you've just shared so many great tips, which is wonderful. Um, and so another question that I have for you is for business owners where we are now, okay, somebody's like, I really want to start now investing more into um, referral marketing and get getting people excited and talking about my business. What should they be looking at? What are some key things that uh, we can do? That's another big question. But I think the first thing is to, even if you can do a retrospective of the last, I mean, I would love a year because <laughs> the more data, the better. But yeah. even the last six months of all of the clients that you've you know worked with in your business in the last six months and really highlighting the clients that you enjoyed working with, get really clear on why it is you enjoyed working with them. So one, you know, values for me that, that, as you said, that's a huge piece. I really want to make sure that it's people that um, I enjoyed the process. So one values two, were they the types of projects that you ultimately want more of, right? So what is the work that you want more of budget wise, the actual work that it is that you're doing. Um, Once you find those clients and if they also, you know, were mm, generous with their words and saying they loved it or it was incredibly helpful for their business, reach back out to them and just ask, how is everything going? So I do something very similar to this. Six months after I wrap with a client, I'm writing back and I'm, I'm not asking anything other than, hey, How have things been going in the last six months? It's an opportunity for me to see if they need, you know, a quick question answered, if there's something else I can offer them a resource or something like that. So my first goal is to be helpful (laughs) always, because I think we forget about that when we're talking about referrals, we tend to just want referrals. My goal always is to be generous and be helpful first before I'm ever asking for anything from anyone. So six months, go back, ask, how is everything going? How has it been going since we worked together? What are any updates? If you can be of service and share any resources or, you know, guide them in some direction that's going to help them with a small problem they're having, that's fantastic. 
if they're still singing your praises and, and talking about how much they really enjoyed working with you, they're still feeling the effects of, of whatever services it was that you provided to them. At that point, then I would ask, is there two people that you could send my way? Or is there two people that you could think of um, that I could just be introduced to? Even if you're not going to get money from that right away. I think the really important thing to remember about referrals is that you're playing a long game. Mm -hmm. It is a long game. Um, I know I was able to generate, you know, another $50,000 in my business in a year, but unintentionally through relationship building, I was sort of planting a lot of those seeds far before, you know, the start of 2022. And so I think it's really important for people to remember that this is a long game. But practically speaking, I think go back in the last six months, look at clients that were aligned budget-wise, project-wise, more work that you want to attract, the type of clients. Again, they're going to likely have people in their community that are similar to them. Um, and values-wise, reach back out, ask if you can be of service. And then if they're equally still excited, ask for some names and start making those connections. I think the other thing that you always have to be very cognizant of is you have to make a very clear ask and that's it. I know that that is sometimes the most uncomfortable piece of all of this for everyone is to make a very clear ask, but nobody, uh, nobody I've ever asked has felt awkward about that. They're excited. They're like, yes, actually I know someone or you know what? No, I don't know anyone right now, but I'll keep you in mind. And, and that's business and that's just part of, of building relationships. So making a very clear ask. I love that. Yes. I think, again, being direct, being clear with what it is that you want. And nobody nobody ever takes offense to it. Like it is more than okay to just make the ask. <laughs> and yes. if anything, right, just make the ask. <laughs> and so I think that's so important because we can feel so awkward and just uncomfortable and feel um, like, you know, like we're a bother. And it's like, no, you are a business owner. So at the end of the day, each decision that you make in your business needs to like be in aligned with that, right? Whatever your mm -hmm. goals are. So don't be afraid to just do whatever it is that you have to do to accomplish your goals. So just be direct and make the ask because What's the worst? They can say no and you just move on. Like that's a-okay. So I love that. And so many key things, other things that you shared as well. And again, going back and looking at your past clients that you've worked with and really highlight the ones that like just remember remembering what it felt like to work with them of how much joy it was working with them in that project. And like, how can I attract more people like that? I think is so, so important. And again, it just makes it more fun in a, in a way, right? When you're thinking about that and, the other, uh, and also to the potential clients that you can attract, I feel like that just gets me excited. It gets me excited where I'm like, all right, let's get my creative juices flowing about like, how can I attract more people like that? Because I had such a blast working with them. And I think it just puts so much joy back into your business, which I, I love that. It does, I think, but it also provides so much insight and clarity. And yes. I think that that as business owners is something that we crave constantly. I think, you know, if we take a step back, running your own business and, and sort of like paving your own path is something that is scary. And it's scary because we don't necessarily always know what the outcome is going to be. And so clarity is something that I find so many business owners rightfully crave all the time. I include myself in that. But when we reach back out to people, when we, you know, share surveys with them to capture more of that information, it gives us so much insight into 
clients, what they want more of, what they love about working with you, how they describe working with you. And all of that can shape your entire client workflow. It can shape the content that you do inevitably share on social media. It shapes your proposals. It shapes the way that you even explain what it is that you do, right? So it really sort of touches every aspect. And the nice part is, is you're not guessing. (laughs) You're getting that information directly from clients and you can see the ways that it works, you know, through increasing in conversion, uh, an increase in referrals. So it's, it just gives you so much clarity. It's not a guessing process of just pushing out content on social media and sort of hoping for somebody to bite. It's just so much more strategic. So much more strategic and lets you know exactly where to be more intentional with spending your time because as business mm-hmm. owners, we wear so many multiple hats, especially as we're starting out and, and you know, as things keep evolving. And so you can't be everywhere. So be strategic and use that data to figure out, okay, what's going to be the most beneficial for me? What's going to give me the most bang for my buck? <laughs> and so exactly. um, I think that's key. Another thing that I'm really curious about, because, you know, we've talked about communities earlier, ha- has and that's fine if it hasn't, but has partnerships and, you know, collaborations, has that also played a part in your referral marketing strategy? And if so, how? As far as partnerships go, it hasn't, at this point, I'm starting to do a couple different collaborations that are probably going to happen next year. It really wasn't a focus uh, for me for, for all of last year just from a capacity perspective. Um, But it also felt like some of the increase, again, I'm very mindful of aligning myself with people that are a part of communities or are working with businesses that I ultimately want to continue to work with or other types of companies that I want to work with. So until collaborations uh, or partnerships come through that I feel like really sort of meet that criteria, I'm pretty clear on saying no. But at this point, I have a couple that are, again, with companies that are more aligned with communities that I want to be a part of. And so we're going to do some workshops together. For, for my business, just being a consulting business, you know, online workshops and things like that aren't necessarily the type of collaborations that I do. Mine are more so partnering with another consultant and going into companies and sort of privately delivering those workshops. But again, that's just really lovely in that it gets my foot in the door or it sort of lends some credibility again, right? If it's someone else that's working in a particular industry that I really want to get into to sort of collaborate with people in that way can be very strategic and incredibly helpful in just continuing to meet people, get your foot in the door. It hasn't been, like I said, it hasn't really been a huge focus of mine. It certainly can be for, you know, other businesses, but for me, it's just starting to be. And that's also because I miss collaborating with people, (laughs) you know, being, uh, uh, the only person (laughs) doing everything (laughs) in my business. gets lonely after a while. So it's something that I put a lot of focus on in the last couple of months of of building relationships. And I actually was the one who sort of pitched it to some other consultants, right? Like they didn't, they didn't approach me. They just said, I like talking to you, but I said, what if we did this? Um, and, And that again is for a very specific reason, but also because then I get to collaborate with somebody. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting though, right? Like that's a new fun venture that you're exploring, but then also too, it's like being, of course, the beauty of community over competition, like the fact that you hit up other people in the same industry as you and you guys are both collaborating together just makes you so much more powerful. And again, building that credibility, because to your point with what you said, like 
referral marketing, it's all about sustainability. You know, the results are not going to come right away of what you're looking for. So again, really just getting your foot in the door. I think that's such an important thing as business owners, instead of thinking like, oh my gosh, I want to make this much, but I think it's great to have those goals, of course, but breaking it down into smaller goals of how you're going to get there and being realistic about how you're going to get there. Because again, it's like, what's going <laughs> to, what, how are you going to get your foot in the door? Right? Like, I think that's a great starting point. Okay. Then what's, once your foot is in the door, like what's the next step? How are you going to build that credibility? How are you going to build that like, no, and trust factor right before you finally get to like selling? I think again, it's just so many key steps that we need to take into account with referral marketing and just in collaborations in general, being very strategic with your collaborations of really looking at like, what's the ROI here with us coming together, but also to how can we have fun when doing it? So I absolutely love that. It is. It, it, I And to just really sort of echo everything you said, it's it's such a long game. And I don't know that people are always aware of that. And I'll give you an example. A franchise company that I'm consulting for right now, at the start of this year, so I guess it would have been in 2022, they reached out to me to do one singular workshop. They were having a sort of company-wide retreat. They wanted me to come in and do a singular workshop. I said, that's great. I can do that. So what I did is I came in, I delivered that workshop. I sent a survey to the owner of that franchise, of that company. And they had such wonderful things to say. And they said, let's keep in touch. So I followed up six months later. And now, you know, I have a monthly retainer with them. But that is something that took almost a year to sort of slowly get to. Um, so if you can always get your foot in the door with something like a workshop or something that's sort of smaller scale, it gets you in front of that person. They get to see a fraction of what you're capable of. And you do, you have to put in the work to continue to stay in touch, in contact with those people and remind them, hi, I exist. I'm here and I'm still killing it. And here, here's a case study. Look at this case study. Yes. Uh, so my, one of our previous guests too, in a previous episode, Lucretia Davis, she said, there's uh, there's money in the follow-up. <laughs> and like it, you are. Like, it, and it, I yes, a thousand times yes. More often than not, I don't have any data to give you an exact number, but more often than not, when I follow up with clients six months down the line, they're saying, hey, can we we have this one thing. Can we just do this one thing with you? And, you know, maybe it's going to take us a month to, to fix that. But almost every time they're they're signing on to do a little bit more work, a little bit more work. And you can continue to build on that. And I mean, the cost of acquiring any client from a social media perspective is so high versus if you can retain clients or get them to do the heavy lifting through referrals. It's just so much better. There's established relationships. There's so much more trust, which just makes the work such a joy to do. Yes. I have loved this conversation. Like there's so <laughs> many things even within my own <laughs> systems, like my own client flow. And I mean, again, how can I really nurture and build these, like continue to deepen the relationships with my current clients, right? And just learn more about just the power of referral marketing. And so this conversation has been wonderful. And so a question that I always love to end with is, what do you think the biggest differentiator is between the businesses that succeed and the ones that fail? I think to keep it short and sweet, it's probably the ones who ask for what they want. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. But beyond that, it's, it's the people that are genuinely of service and their top priority is making sure that you are helpful to somebody. Boom. 
that was great. <laughs> I, I could keep going, but I mean, that, no, but I mean, that, that was great that. though. Simply that, right? Again, make the ask. It's okay to be direct and it's okay to ask. And also to always coming from a place of service, always asking, how can I serve this person? I think of myself too, of how I started my own business. There were so many wonderful people who came in that exact way um, and didn't ask for anything in return. And so now even me, myself as a business owner, that's how I always come to other people. Like, how can I serve you? How can I support you? And how can I help you? And I realized that as that has taken my business so, so much further, right? Just being that just being of service to others um, mm-hmm. and doing it in a way that where you're, you know, where it's almost like you're, you're, you don't want anything in return, right? Because I feel like that pays off later on because then when people are thinking about something of like, hey, I have this person that can help me with this, you're the top person that comes top of mind immediately. So again, that's just the power of referral marketing. And so thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. Uh, you have given so many tangible tips on how we can just get better at that, how we can nurture our relationships with clients and overall just be much more powerful with our brand in referral marketing. And so we're where can people find you to connect with you? As much as I've said I'm not on social media, I am still yeah. on social media. <laughs> I mean, so I don't post very much, but I am frequently on stories. So at Sarah C. McCabe Consulting, you can go there. I'm pretty much, I story every day. And what I do is I like to share. I'm passionate about teaching. So I teach or I mentor outside of my business. And so I love to show up and share on stories any information that I think is going to be helpful. And that is, again, in my two areas of focus, so operations and people development. So you can find me on there just about every day sharing stuff, not posting that much, but certainly (laughs) on my story. And if you ever want to reach out and connect and just ask me any questions, I love that. I love meeting people. I love sharing anything that I can to make anybody's life easier in business. So go ahead and shoot me an email at info at Sarah C. McCabe. I love connecting. So those are the two best places to find me. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here on the show. And if you're listening until next time. That ends our episode of the Independent Business Podcast. Everything we've discussed today can be found at podcast.honeybook.com. Head to our website to access for show notes, relevant links, and all of the resources that you need to level up. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you never miss our future content. Drop us a review and leave our guests some love on social. And thank you again for listening.